Investor's Guide to Real Estate Title. We're going to talk about title searches, title commitments, title companies, title insurance, title problems. We're going to talk about clear title, dirty title, quiet title, and so much more. This is such an important topic for real estate investors. It can literally make or break you. So I'll start with some of the basics in the beginning and quickly dive in to the more complex matters so that you can have more opportunities and avoid pitfalls. The wisdom in this video can save you and make you a fortune in real estate investing. So let's get going. What is real estate title? It's all of the recorded documents against the property. You see, in every municipality, counties, or what they usually are called, but in some places, boroughs or parishes, there is an office that's either the clerk of the court or the register of deeds. In this video, I'm going to call it the recorder's office, whereby official documents related to the property can be recorded for that property. And so these recorded documents collectively are considered the property's title. So some of those documents relate to ownership. Now you may have heard the word title referred to in regards to ownership, title holder, vested on title. And that means that the current deed of record recorded against the property is going to describe who the owner of that property is. And it's not just that, though. It can be other liens, such as a mortgage, such as a past due property tax, such as an unpaid contractor bill, or it could be an encumbrance, like a deed restriction, um, an HOA. And so all of that collectively is the real estate title. The researching of all the recorded documents against a property's title is considered a title search. Usually, a title company hires a professional title researcher to do a title search in preparation for issuing a title insurance policy, all of which I'll explain in just a moment. But for here, why it's important that I share this is because as a real estate investor, I encourage you to do your own title searches as well in that period of time when you're negotiating with a seller. Because for one, you may not even be negotiating with the seller. The person you're talking to may not even be the title holder. Uh, but furthermore, there might be liens against the property. A lot of times when we're negotiating with motivated sellers, they're thinking in terms of how much cash goes in their pocket. And they say, well, I want at least $5,000 to walk away. And if you ask, well, how much do you owe in your mortgage? And they say, well, I owe $93,000 or $148,000. That may not be the only lien against the property. And so if you're negotiating based on cash in their pocket, it sure would be nice if you had at least some idea of what liens could be against the property. And you can do this same title search that a professional researcher does because it's the very same database of information. It's the same recorder's office data. And usually that's available online for free. Sometimes local recorder's offices charge a little bit of a, a fee. But either way, it's worth it. Um, this video, we won't be able to go into great detail about how you research your individual county's records and whether they, they index them based on parcel ID or based on um, uh, legal description or, or based on just the names of the buyer or the seller. But the point is, I encourage you to do your own title searches early on so that you know who you're dealing with when you're negotiating and you also know exactly what they have going on against the property. Now, it won't be completely official because at the end of the day, you're still going to want to have a professional title researcher do as much as they can. But it's a step in the right direction to ensure that you're not wasting your time and you're uh, able to negotiate from the highest level of strength. When issues are discovered through a title search, 
We in the industry refer to those as title problems. Title problems are usually in one of two categories, either ownership problems or liens that need to be released and removed. So with ownership, this is a really big challenge with real estate investors. When you're dealing with someone who's either going through a divorce or there's been a death, the two Ds. And so if someone doesn't have the authority or the complete authority to execute a deed to transfer title from them to you, that's an ownership title problem. Um, and this can cost you a lot of money if you don't know what you're doing. I'm gonna give you a great example. I've seen this example play out many times where a, a investor who's just getting started thinks they found the deal of a lifetime and they get it under contract and they start then, uh, to put, move towards closing, and then it's discovered that actually the person they're negotiating with doesn't technically own the property yet. In fact, instead, it's owned, let's say, in the name of their grandfather. And maybe there's a will. And so in the will, it says that their grandson gets the house upon death. So all seems clean. Well, not really, because the uh, it was owned in tenants in common in the on the the current deed of record, and so technically, Grandpa, who just passed, is no longer the owner. His estate is, and so that needs to go through probate. So what I've seen happen is uh, that that really intelligent grandson talked the investor into non-refundable earnest money, and so the property then goes through probate. And that takes a few months. It's a legal process. And at the end, it's discovered there's more than one heir. Hmm. And it turns out that there's now more than one person that claims rights to that property. And they no longer want to sell for the great price that that, that rookie investor originally um, had negotiated. And, well, because the contract they executed was really invalid, because the, the seller that signed was not the owner at that time, they lose their earnest money and they go off and sell it to somebody else. I've seen that happen plenty of times. So, number one, you've got title problems related to ownership. And obviously your, 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 your quick um, initial title search might reveal that, but if not, that can be revealed when you have your, uh, your title company do that work. The second is gonna be liens. Liens are gonna be anything from uh, an IRS tax lien all the way to an unpaid contractor. And these show up oftentimes when sellers don't know they're there. And they legitimately don't know they're there. And if, like we had mentioned earlier, if, if you're negotiating based on how much money is going into a seller's pocket, you've got to be careful when you talk to those sellers. What I often say is, look, this is not set in stone because we haven't done a title search yet. If it's discovered that there are additional liens that have not been paid, those are going to come out of your pocket, not mine, because those are liens you have to deal with. Um, and by the way, it's not just the liens that show up through your, your normal title search at the recorder's office. There's also this thing called utilities. And they call that a municipal lien search. And that's when the title company reaches out to the utility departments, the water, the, the electrical, gas, and they're reaching out to see if there's any past due bills. Certain states, past due utility bills carry with the person. And in other states, they stick with the property. And so Florida is just that way. I bought a property one time um, and we did a municipal lien search and it showed uh, that there was nothing past due. And then a week after I closed, I was trying to get the utilities turned on and they were requesting $1,600 from me. And uh, my title company cut that, that check. They're the ones that paid the, uh, the bill. So 
Ownership and liens are two different title problems. Now, what I love about title problems is so often I'm the one willing to take on the challenge to solve them. So you can make a lot of money from title problems. And we'll talk about that more here in just a moment. So who solves title problems when they appear? Well, in theory, it's supposed to be the title company you hired. But in practice, as a professional real estate investor, it's usually going to be you and the seller working through those problems. And that is trying to find, for example, there may have been a refinance by that seller seven years ago. And at the time of refinance, they supposedly paid off their original first mortgage. But there never was a filed satisfaction of mortgage. So the old mortgage is still on there and the new mortgage is on there. And that mortgage that got paid off seven years ago, that bank doesn't even exist anymore. And so you can't even order a payoff. So what do you do, right? Well, the title company might give you a few ideas, but ultimately it's going to be you and that seller, or mostly you solving that problem. And that's where you can be so much more effective as a real estate investor. When there are title problems, these are the kind of situations where when you take the bull by the horns and find a way to get things solved, you're the one that makes the good money. You're the one that gets the deal done and other people leave it, leave it to someone else. I see real estate agents all the time. They back away from these kind of deals. I love title problems that are solvable. I love title problems that are solvable because I'm willing to roll up my sleeves and get it done and solve it. And that can, of course, create a lot more economic opportunity for me than the person that just wants to walk away. So what is a title company? Well, they're actually an insurance brokerage. They issue title insurance policies. Now, some title companies actually handle the entire real estate closing from start to finish. Uh, in other states, a closing attorney handles the closing, and then the title insurance company simply issues the title insurance. And if you're in the bizarre state of California, there's also an escrow company. So there's an escrow, a closing attorney, and a title company. Completely superfluous. All you really need is a title company to, to close a, a real estate transaction in real world. But obviously certain states are set up so that attorneys can make more money because they have BMW payments to make too, you know. So a title company is fundamentally an insurance company issuing title insurance policies. What's title insurance? What's a title insurance policy? Well, in theory, what it's supposed to do is protect you from any claims that may occur after you bought the property, not only in relation to your ownership, but also in relation to any maybe liens that didn't get paid off. So it's supposed to protect you from title problems. But let me give you a real world story of what happens in the real world with title insurance. Well, I had an apprentice that had purchased a property for $150,000. Um, he had a lot of experience in rehab, and so he put 70000 into it as a major rehab. You know that I don't really like when, when my people do that, but he gets a hall pass. And so he was in at about two twenty. He sold the property for three fifty. dollars uh, When he bought it at one fifty, he had gotten title insurance. Um, but here's the thing. About a year after he closed on it um, with, the, with the new buyer at $350,000, he got a lawsuit in the mail. And it was from the aunt of the person he bought it from. And she was claiming that her niece never had the authority to sell the property to him. And so her lawsuit was the difference between the 150 he bought it for and the 350 he sold it for. Her lawsuit was for $200,000 plus all of her legal fees. And so uh, he reached out to me and I said, well, um, that's what you buy title insurance for. 
I said, so file a claim with First American, your title insurer, and uh, their job is to defend you in that lawsuit. That's literally what the whole purpose of title insurance is for. And as you can imagine, like any insurance company, they love to write policies and they love to collect premiums, but they hate to pay out claims. They hate to actually do what they say they're supposed to do, right? So First American initially rejected it and said, we're not, we're not protecting you. Good luck. And, uh, and I told uh, this uh, our apprentice, name is Sean. I said, Sean, you have to hire an attorney to file a lawsuit against First American for them not doing literally the essence of what they say that they do in their insurance policy. And so he did that. He filed a lawsuit against First American. First American said, okay, okay, you're right, you're right, we're sorry. And so First American did eventually represent him. And it turned out that uh, the aunt was wrong. Her niece did have full authority. She lost. Uh, Sean did win in the end. And uh, in the end, uh, thankfully, First American, although they had to, we had to twist their arm, First American paid for all the legal fees to, pro to protect him in that lawsuit. So that, that's an example of title insurance. And in the real world, it's like any other insurance policy. You're still going to have to fight and kick and scrape to get the insurance company to do what it is that they promised to do in writing. And also, like any insurance company, they have exceptions. They slide things in to avoid or reduce their risks. So that is what the title commitment shows. You see, the title commitment is a report, if you will, that is generated after the title search is done and it outlines what the problems are and then what their little exceptions are going to be. Like where they're not going to protect you here, they're not going to protect you there. Let me show you exactly what that looks like. This is a first American title commitment. And not just any title commitment, but arguably one of the craziest ones I've ever seen in my entire career. You can see it's from 2021. And I've uh, blocked out the, or white out the, the address. But look how many people are owners. Look at this. This was so crazy. These, these were all heirs. And so first you have all these different people, some of which were no longer alive, so you had to then find their heirs. That got a little crazy. But then it gets better. So this, um, this shows the exceptions to coverage. Very, very important. So they have all these exceptions here, and I don't have time to explain what those all mean. But these are the kinds of things that, uh, that protect the insurance company and give them reasons not to pay out claims. But as we get a little further down, we see in Schedule C any liens that might exist. Look at this. Possible involuntary lien, you know, personal information affidavit. You've got this additional one here. Multiple judgments of Wanda Brown. You've got a, it just goes on and on and on. It's crazy. This was one of the most uh, insane title commitments we'd ever seen. This one obviously didn't close because we couldn't, uh, we couldn't satisfy all these different requirements. But this is what a title commitment letter looks like. And this is incredibly important to get. So when you are asked the question, have you seen a title search? What you really want to be asking yourself is, have you seen the title commitment and specifically Schedule C of that title commitment? This is what you want to be looking at to know really what liens are against the property. And then separately, ownership, 
You learn about that right down here on the first page, number three. And this is vested in or vested on title. So where does that come into play as a real estate investor, this title commitment? Well, recall that we do our own title search when we're negotiating with a seller. But then as soon as it gets under contract, we then send it to a title company who's going to do a professional title search because we want the title company to get us this title commitment during that phase in which we're doing the due diligence when we have a property under contract. This gives us the ability to see not only truly what's on there, but more importantly, what a title insurer is willing to do and not do, what their rules are, what their requirements are. Because sometimes we're structuring a subject to deal. And a lot of times, title insurance companies will not issue a title insurance policy whereby you're not paying off one of the underlying mortgages. Now, in some situations, we found title insurers that will add an exception to the policy, but most of the time, in most states, when it comes to subject to transactions, we're not able to get title insurance because we're taking over an existing loan, we're not paying it off. Uh, and there might be other liens that we're leaving on title as well when we, when we uh, transfer the the ownership. So the title commitment gives us a great look at what the potential risks are going to be of us doing a subject to deal and us running into potential problems down the road. Now, we typically will not do it if there's one of the two Ds, a divorce or a death in the equation. However, if it does look clear, clear title, that's where that comes from. If it looks clear, then we will actually do a deal where we do not get title insurance. Now, that is not for the faint of heart, and uh, you really need to know what you're doing, because if you do a deal without title insurance, you've just done a dirty title deal. Dirty title refers to properties that can obtain a title insurance policy from a title company. And these can span from things like subject to, I just described to you, to if you purchase a property at a tax foreclosure. And a lot of tax foreclosure properties do not provide title insurance, nor can you, when you sell, immediately get title insurance for the new buyer. Instead, you have to put the dirty title through a cleaning process. It's a cleaning process called quiet title or quieting title. It's a legal process. It doesn't always work with every lien in every situation, but it gives you a shot at cleaning up a property with dirty title. Or in the case of a subject two, it gets cleaned up by simply paying off the original first mortgage. So quieting title is a process that most people that acquire properties through a tax foreclosure have to go through. And it can cost several thousand dollars or more, and it depends on how many different encumbrances and liens that, that are part of that quieting of title. So dirty title is something that also, if you can't clean it up completely, you might still be able to use the property. Maybe you could rent it out. Maybe you can live in it. So it's not the end of the world, but if you're going to play in this sandbox, you have to be uh, cognizant of two things. First, uh, if you can't clean up the title with quieting, uh, you may not be able to resell it to a conventional or normal buyer because they won't be able to get title insurance. Title insurance is required anytime you get a loan. Um, but furthermore, you may not be able to refinance it either because any lender who's not a complete idiot knows that they need to get title insurance. Uh, 
So dirty title properties, people still invest in those. It's just you know that you really can't refinance it or really sell it in the future. You just have to use it basically into perpetuity. Ah, but wait, there's one more part to this. You've heard the old phrase, time heals all. Well, sometimes dirty title properties don't get cleaned up by the quieting of title, but by time. Enter the statute of limitations. That refers to how long a rule remains in place. So when it comes to liens on properties, especially in Florida, the statute of limitation for almost all liens, except for mortgages, is 10 years. So after 10 years, that lien is no longer valid. A great example of that is like an IRS lien. They literally put on the IRS lien when it expires. So I'm going to give you a story about this because this is as a real estate investor where you can make a lot of money on deals because you simply know about this when others don't. So I had a deal where the seller contacted me in a panic. They needed money as fast as possible because the owner was being moved into a nursing home and they needed the money for the nursing home. And they were looking to get $10,000. Now they had been working with a real estate agent, but they hadn't sold the property yet. The problem was the agent couldn't drop the price any further and it was because of the liens that were against the property. So the agent said, look, you're upside down in your property and I don't have the ability to, to short sell these liens because it's an IRS lien and it's this and it's that. So unfortunately, you're stuck. And so they contacted me and um, I looked at the deal and within about five minutes, I'm like, I'll happily give you $10,000 for the deed. When can I meet you? I mean, it was that fast, right? And so, uh, yes, I did do a title search, but um, I did it myself and I know what I'm doing in the county that I was working in. I'm as good or better than the researchers that my title company hires in that particular county. And so what happened was they had a $70,000 IRS lien that only had four months left until the statute of limitations was over. It had been recorded nine years and eight months prior. And then there was also a Ford Motor Company lien for another, I think it was like 30 or 40,000. I don't know how I got that big. Um, but that too was about three months from expiring. So the seller thought they had ripped me off. They're like, wow, this guy's an idiot. The agent really couldn't believe it. They were just scratching their heads like, what? I thought this guy was a professional investor. Wow, he's kind of stupid paying that much. Um, I just waited it out. I actually did a little bit of rehab on that one while I was waiting, but that deal made me over $100,000 simply because I knew about the statute of limitations. Now, they needed money immediately, so it made sense why the seller needed to uh, to uh, get that money, but you know, you look in hindsight, if they would have waited just five months, they could have made an extra $90,000. So the statute of limitations is another way to clean up a dirty title. And so this right here is your crash course. This is the, the guide for investors to real estate title. You make sure you do your own title searches when you're negotiating with sellers so you know who you're negotiating with and you know what kind of liens you're up against. When there are title problems, don't shy away from them. Dive in. Solve them. That can be a way that you can make a lot more money. Definitely work with a title company whenever possible to get a title insurance policy. Know that they're an insurance policy like any other, and you're going to have to fight them if you ever have to file a claim. The title commitment is something that's delivered before closing. Gives you a clear understanding of what the title company is willing to do and not do but also it can help you if you're going to be doing a subject to deal and you're going to be avoiding title insurance. And if you are dealing with a dirty title property, there is the quiet title and there's the statute of limitations. 
Well, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this video. My name is Phil Pustiowski with FreedomMentor.com. And if you want to be a first-class, market-leading, money-making machine of a real estate investor, consider my apprentice program where my team and I, we guide, we mentor, we train, we turn you into a full-blown professional. And uh, if this is way over your head, you're like, whoa, 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 I'm just getting started, Phil. Uh, consider my book, How to Be a Real Estate Investor. I give this book away for free here on these videos. You can download a copy of that right there. All right, y'all, if you got questions and comments, please put them down below. Thanks so much for watching. I'll see you in the next video.